Welcome to Media Update. This is podcast number three, Preparing for Morningstar, the Sand Dead Drug, coming out on February 17th. Invited guests, Serena Nelson, the hero of the adventure game revival movement. New week, new podcast, more content, and of course, all the indie things we love. My name is Sai, your dorky host, and with me, the always purple and pixely gone. Hey! <laughs> we have got a new game coming out via Phoenix Online Pollution, and it's called Morningstar, Descent to Deathrock. This is an original game by Red Hair and Labs, which is going to become available coming February 17th. Descent to Deadrock is a first-person point-and-click adventure. You play as a work-for-hire trader pal who crash lands on a desolate desert planet. The only other surviving crew member is your captain who's severely injured. From there, it's your job not only to repair the ship, but also explore the planet and learn its secrets. We are preparing to get lost in science fiction today, but we are not alone. With us today, we have got a specialist in all awesome things. She's not just a faithful supporter of the indie development scene, she's also insanely talented and impossibly fun to work with. Her name is Serena Nelson. She will be joining us today, the hero of the adventure game revival movement. She took a moment to stop saving the day and hang out with us. Serena is a well-known indie advocate, and she uses her talents to write for Kickstarter Adventures, CD Day, Social Media Management, and she even helps out the Phoenix Online family. She's also well known for supporting over 100 games, and clearly she's a person to talk to if you want to discuss indie games. That's a lot of games. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and unfortunately, due to time zone differences, it, it's been somewhat impossible to schedule time to record with the developers. However, they've been so kind to provide to us all the information that we needed to explore the world of that drug and get immersed into this first-person adventure. We do have confirmation that we might be able to sit down with Andras Ashtalos coming next week. Hopefully we get to celebrate the launch of Morningstar with a few words from Andras. Cons, the time is now. Isn't that a 2001 Space Odyssey quote, Sai? <laughs> Why are you going to ruin my moment? <laughs> I can do better because I can quote every major quote in Dune. My favorite being, Father, the sleeper has awakened! And I even called Thunderford. <laughs> Real life sound effects for the wind. <laughs> I should call myself Thor. Here we are, getting ready to descend to Deadrock and explore the world of Morningstar. Gonna like Powell? 
I am not alone. And thankfully, because I don't think anybody will care to listen to me talk to myself. Here with us is Serena Nelson. She is the beacon of awesome of the indie community, the hero of the adventure game revival movement. Thank you, Serena, for coming into the podcast with us. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be a part of this. First topic is, of course, Red Herring Labs. This is the indie development studio behind the game Morningstar. So let's talk about the developers now, a little bit of background and all that stuff, just to get, get to know who they are. Well, I've spoken to Andres Ashtalos, and I hope I pronounced his name correctly. He explained to me that uh, Red Herring Labs is just an alias that the team came up with, so they wouldn't have to put all their names on the game. Even though the operator is a great team, they don't really consider themselves a studio, so I guess that's just how indie they are. In his own words, it's just a bunch of game developers working together whenever we can. So, yeah. They don't even consider themselves a studio. I remember him mentioning that two people that participated in most of the games were both Peter Kurdi and Peter Zedi. And again, I really hope I pronounced this correctly. I'm yep, sorry if I didn't. Guys in advance because we already know that we're probably saying it all wrong, so we're sorry, guys. Peter Kurdi is a writer and games designer. He wrote the backstory. Peter Sedi is a game producer, and he was kind enough to provide them with an office whenever they needed space to work together. He also helped them with the puzzles in the new version, including some beta testing of the final build. And I believe Zoltan Batki, once again, I apologize <laughs> for mispronouncing the name, is the one credited with remastering the, the music for the new game. And I um, had talked a little bit with Zoltan about how he was brought in as the uh, composer for Morningstar. And he told me that he and Andras were old friends before being brought on board to do the music. Zoltan's a rock singer and a musician. Apparently, Andras uh, worked on putting together some music videos for him. In uh, Zoltan's own words, being a positive production is kind of a payback for this collaboration. You know, one thing that I have to say, most of the, uh, of the soundtrack, it's uh, kind of like ambient music. What did you guys think of the music? Actually, there's a lot of ambient music. What Zoltan had told me, I, he would scratch his beard against the uh, <laughs> microphone. <laughs> he, he seriously said he did that, would do whispers, heartbeats. One thing was listening to the game when I was playing, and one thing was listening to the soundtrack separately. And I remember listening to a few pieces of the soundtrack, and I felt that it was creepy. I was listening to the soundtrack. And I didn't remember any of the songs, but when I played it, it suddenly all clicked. You don't memorize the songs, but when you're playing it, you suddenly feel like you're in the game. They're just very ambient, I suppose. The only true melodies that he put together are the intro and the outro videos. Everything else has more of an ambient, not quite music, not quite sound mixture. I think, for example, the outro music is just beautiful. I think he did a fantastic job, all things considered, because scratching beard and all, because the music feels really <laughs> immersive. I really I have been making music all my life. Yeah, you're very talented too. <laughs> So now, moving on, science fiction is not quite a simple genre to talk of without any background. So now, let's talk about the inspiration for the game. Personally, I think that at times it felt something along the lines of Space Odyssey and Aliens. Most of the inspiration comes from the Sierra and LucasArts adventure games, obviously, because it's pretty much impossible it is not developing an adventure game and not having grown on those. On the sci-fi end, there are fans of the classic sci-fi movies like Aliens, so you detected that one correctly, <laughs> Star Wars, and apparently there's even a bit of pitch black in there somewhere. Nice. Actually, Aliens and Pitch Black, uh, from what Andres told me, was that um, those two were the specific inspirations for the game. He cited the 
scene in Aliens where you where it pans over the uh, facility and it, and you can instantly get a, a feeling of loneliness. There is a lot of that in Aliens. Aliens is such a big franchise that kind of reminds you how insignificant your life can actually get to be. It's really scary. It combines a lot of sci-fi with horror. For example, in that kind of the story, it sort of conveys it. It's not something like you're actually, you know, fighting aliens, but it's something... Yes, it's, something it's, like it's very minimalistic. It. Yes, exactly. It, it, it leaves a lot to your imagination. So as, you're, as I was playing it, I didn't know what was going on, but I was feeling a bit, uh, I was feeling a bit, a bit afraid. I was feeling, I was feeling fear because um, I felt like I was being watched, but I don't, I didn't know what was watching. Yeah, me. exactly. There is a feeling of isolation throughout the game, you know, as if you're completely alone as you get to explore through. So, especially, you know, with the empty alien ruins and the wreck of the Armstrong. Yeah, definitely a lot of uneasiness going on in the game. It was intended from the start to make the overall theme of the game as a deserted island in space. The story is just a simple ship crash lands on a planet and the crew tries to escape the planet, but uh, there are a lot of nuances towards feeling uh, alone in such an unforgiving environment. The wreck of the Armstrong uh, really sends home the feeling that Tal and Novak need to get off the planet or they might end up like that crew. Uh, the fact that there are dead bodies everywhere adds even more urgency to the situation. Yeah, that was a lovely touch. <laughs> I should not remember yeah. that part. That, that was a quite yeah. lovely touch. Ah. But of course, we have the alien ruins. Um, you have no idea where they came from, who they are. It's just a building, empty, of course, with the exception of those creepy stone heads. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery still regarding what it will be the planet and why, what's everything they're doing sometimes. And those those statue heads, they remind me of the Moai heads. Oh yeah, definitely. What did you guys think about Powell? I think he's way more capable than I am. He, the man can solder, fix batteries, guns, reactors. I can barely use a toaster. <laughs> Uh, he's certainly a capable man. I won't argue with that. Um, he single-handedly goes out on the quest to fix the ship. Although he does tend to be a bit dead deadpan in the attitude department, um, he basically all work except when he's talking with Captain Novak. In a way, I'd say that he's the everyman thrust into an unforgiving situation and is forced to cope with the predicament he's in. Right. I wonder if we'll see those Moai heads in the sequel. There's a lot of, there's different kind of gaps in there, and we're the ones that fit in the, the horror into the sci-fi. Actually, Andras told me that that was purpose. That was purposeful, leaving a lot of the backstory out for possible uh, sequel. Yeah, that's, I really hope they actually get to continue this. And now, considering this is a remake in high definition, what are the differences to be expected from this build compared to the original game? The original game was uh, released, I believe, in 2009 as a Flash game on Newgrounds, Congregate, I think, Armor Games. The biggest difference between the two versions is that the remake is high definition compared to the more low-res, pixely uh, graphics in the original. Of course, the original uh, have uh, screens that pan, whereas the new version, all the screens are static. Nothing moves except for uh, the occasional animation from PAL. Andres actually told me that this was due to limitations to the engine that they were using and yeah, the time, the time. to get it out. There was also a decision made to make something on like tablets that are mobile uh, devices easier. When it comes to a static game like this one, the first person view and everything, instead of having a portrait of the character, having included the voices 
makes makes a little bit more of an experience for the game, I think. Yes, the voices definitely uh, add extra to the experience. Personally, I felt pretty immersed while I was playing it. I um, I actually haven't played a game that immersed me this much in quite a long time. Yeah, it was actually very enjoyable. It was, yes. And of um, course, we can wrap up this conversation now without asking you both. What do you consider, in your own words, the best sci-fi feature there is? You know, that one most remarkable trait for any movie, <coughs> game, or book. Uh, for me, that one thing that sets science fiction apart from other genres uh, would be the use of sufficiently advanced technology compared to today's standard. Or in the case of other subgenres like steampunk to that era that it's a part of. Of course, it's no secret that I am a huge Trekkie. You oh, know, really? The future. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed. Yeah, that, yeah, the, you know, it's like the future utopia of United Earth and the Federation of Planets working together in harmony has been a draw for me since childhood. Uh, but, of course, I'm also fond of the darker side of science fiction, like uh, cyberpunk, for example, tells the exact opposite story. It's a dystopian society where the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, uh, until they've had enough and rebel against the status quo. Uh, basically, in short, science fiction is my genre of choice. So, one question. Kirk or Picard? <laughs> Oh, that's asking me what my favorite. <laughs> You're being unfair. Member. You're being unfair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the correct answer should have been Janeway. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> no? I'm always partial to Cisco myself. Oh, good one. I've, I've also liked. Oh, God, now I forgot his name. From the first one, Enterprise. His name is. Archer? Yeah, Archer. I like, I like him too. Especially considering he was technically the first, so there was no. There was no background. There was no pre established way of, of solving those issues. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, what I love is the idea that you can immerse yourself in a world that is so far ahead of our own technologically. It kind of just makes me want to go around and, and explore everything. Explore, explore cities, explore towns, explore uh, just every little thing that would be everyday occurrences for people living there. But for us, for our standard, it would be something just, just amazing. Personally, I really hope I get to live one day to see cyberspace, similar to Shadowrun. Do you want to get lost in space? What? Cyberspace. <laughs> It's like the internet. It's like it's it's like the internet, but more 1990s. Oh dear God! <laughs> Would you be able to survive an experience like that, desolation and all? Okay. I'd get lost in my own room without a GPS. So I probably, <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably end up dying of thirst, starvation, heat stroke, or I don't know, random monster attack before I'd make it anywhere. <laughs> wow. I don't even want to know what's in that bedroom. <laughs> I would not survive at all. I, I wouldn't stand a chance without the internet. I need to at least Google something. I mean, Powell knew how to fix a broken a broken door by using a doll. I know. I can do I that. Know. I can. The very first oh, yeah. photo that I did not know what the hell is like. Okay, I don't have anything, but I have this ugly ass doll. What am I supposed to do? I can. With this I, thing? I can barely program my pizza oven. I'm not supposed to know how to open a freaking door. Morning Star, the Santa Dead Truck available on February 17, only just a few days away. You can find the game on Steam, Humble Store, and Phoenix Online Store. Stay tuned for more information coming through for next week. And thank you, Zarina. It's been lovely to have you here with us today. I might kidnap you soon enough again. I'm used to it by now. Yay! <laughs> Thank you.
Alright, Gons, how did you get started into science fiction? I'm not exactly sure when, but I'm pretty sure it began with PC games. I remember I grew up playing Dune and Dune 2 on the PC. They were my favorite games ever. I would play them from morning till till afternoon and until basically well, pretty much like pretty much like it is right now. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Except back then my parents told me to stop and now they've given up by now. Eventually I've moved on to books, movies, then Star Wars, Star Trek. In fact, I remember I had the VHS tapes for the first two Star Wars movies and I watched them roughly every day. For me, I think it was reading Isaac Asimov when I was a kid. I remember reading both the Foundation and the Robot series. It, but at the time, I was just so young that it was a little bit complicated for me to grasp. So especially, you know, because I got started first with Foundation and then I got started with iRobot. But well, anyways, I, I got the chance to revisit the books again. And being a little bit older, I could understand a little bit more. And it was pretty much fantastic to understand how science fiction can become a reality in such a wonderful mind. Another question, how do you see the future? Androids dreaming of electric chip. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Do you believe there could be life out there? I certainly hope there is. I mean, it'd be pretty lonely if you were the only intelligent species in the universe. Well, an intelligent is kind of questionable. Okay, yeah, good point. <laughs> Get started by exploring Dead Rock. Coming out February 17th, it will be available on Steam, Humble Store, and our own Phoenix Online Store. We will also have a discount at launch, so that's your ticket to Deadrock right there. Alright, big thanks to Zarina, the indie community is a much better place because of her. Make sure you guys check out Morningstar at the send to Deadrock. I'll see you guys next week, bye! See ya!